Leviticus 14, verse 1, and John chapter 6. Leviticus 14 says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This shall be the law of the leper for the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall go out of the camp, and the priest shall examine him. And indeed, if the leprosy is healed in the leper, then the priest shall command to take for him who is to be cleansed two living clean birds, cedar wood, scarlet, and hyssop. And the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel over running water. For the living bird, he shall take it, the cedar wood and the scarlet and the hyssop, and dip them and the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water. And he shall sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed from the leprosy and shall pronounce him clean and shall let the living bird loose in the open field. John 6 verse 53. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. We watch here from the Old Testament into the New Testament talking about the blood. So the only thing that we see changing about blood through Scripture was not the covenant of God, was not the power of the blood, but the only thing that we really see change is the supplier of the blood. It began with animals, but ended with the Son of God because animals could not buy what the son could buy. And once the son had paid that price, the debt of our sin by his blood, it was the final sacrifice that was ever needed. And this, my friend, is why we do not need the blood of animals today. Aren't you thankful that whenever you sin, you do not have to go and, and sacrifice an animal? Anybody thankful for that? But he shed his blood because Jesus supplied the blood so that we can apply the blood. He supplied the blood so that we can apply the blood. Jesus was the one that supplied the blood, but it's up to us. It's up to man to apply the blood. Who in the room knows this morning that there is a difference in his supply and you applying it? Today I want to start a series probably going through Thanksgiving. On Thanksgiving we're going to have a time of communion. But I want to start building a series this morning. I'm going to teach some this morning about thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood. Today I want to preach about a phrase that you may have heard that you're like, what does that mean? The phrase of I plead the blood. The phrase of get that under the blood. What does that mean? I'm going, to, I'm going to teach and preach on that today. If you can, let's pray this morning. Lord, we thank you today for your goodness and for your mercy. Lord, I pray that right now, oh God, Lord, that our ears would be in tune with your voice today. God, I pray, Lord, that as this word goes forth, that your spirit, that your presence begins to speak to the hearts and lives of men and women today. 
God, I just pray that right now every distraction would cease and anything that we've brought into this place that may be fighting for our attention today, we just lay those things down, oh God, and we focus on your word these next few moments. We give you honor and glory and praise. And the church said amen. Amen today. I want to get right in this morning to this word. As we see in Leviticus 14, there are seven reflections, if you will, that help us understand the need and the power of applying the blood to our lives. Seven reflections in this chapter that reflect God's desire for us to apply the blood of Jesus in and on our life. And the first thing I want to point out this morning as I teach this and set some foundation this morning is the number seven. In verse seven, we see that it says that he has to sprinkle the blood on him seven times to be cleansed. This is a chapter about the cleansing and the restoration of a leprous man back to his original form. We see this in one chapter. In one chapter, we watch as the number seven is referenced. In biblical numerology, seven means a divine completeness. It means divine perfection. It means whole. And it often points back to God's original creation, the creation of Eden. It was a perfect place. Eden was not just a beautiful garden that God created for Adam and Eve, but Eden was an atmosphere. It wasn't just a garden, but it was a place, an atmosphere where man could come and they could learn the desires of God in a way that they have never learned it before. If you look at the story, he came and he set them in this atmosphere. He set them in this place uh, of, of, of pureness and wholeness. If you take note, he did not set them inside of a church. He did not set them inside of a uh, inside of Presbyterian. He did not set them into Baptist. He did not set them into Pentecostal, but he sat them inside of his presence because that is God's main desire for you. If you know that today, say amen. His desire for you is to be in his presence. And we watch this creation story as it unfolds and God begins to create. He creates the birds and the fish, the air, the sun, the light. He divides the land. He separates day and night and we watch at the end of the day he always says it is good he says it is good it was good but it wasn't favored we see God favor two things in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 it was all good but we watch as God's favor really rests on two things that he created the first the Bible says that he created man and then he said it was good and then he blessed them he gave his favor to them then God creates the seventh day the last day the completeness the the wholeness and he said this is the Sabbath and he said he called it good and then called it holy. He set it apart. He put his favor on it. So what we see is that God's favor only rested on those that fellowshiped with him inside of his finished work. The, the, the Sabbath was his finished work and we see as God says that, that, that he will bless man as they rest in his finished work. He will bless 
bless men as they rest in his presence. He says, I'm not going to bless those that have that, that are really busy. I'm not going to bless you because you have a vigorous routine. I'm not going to bless you because you have a desire to keep up with the Joneses. I'm not going to bless you because you are religious. He said, but I'm going to bless the man. I'm going to bless that woman that will find themselves inside of my finished work. The people, he said, I will bless you whenever you know how to stay in my presence. I will put my favor on one that will praise me in the middle of the storm. I will bless the man that can stand in the middle of chaos and praise me. I will bless the man that can rest inside of Eden. I will bless the man that can rest inside of my presence. So mankind finds himself in this holy place. He finds himself in Eden. It was a place of unfiltered fellowship. It was a place of worship that we have never seen. It was a place of intimacy and authority and unity. They weren't there to prove themselves. They weren't there to sell themselves to God. They weren't there trying to sell their gifts and their talents. They were just there to be in the presence of God. So the presence of seven is both literal and symbolic here because it reflects to us God's eternal desire for us. It, it, it reflects what he wants now and it reflects for what he wants to do. So the first thing I want you to take note of in your notes this morning, I hope you're taking notes because I got a lot for you today, is, is, is the number seven. Number two is leprosy. Leprosy. Leprosy in the scripture is always a sign of sin. It's always symbolic of the flesh. And in Leviticus chapter 13, God is, is he, he's giving the priests some instruction on how to identify those with leprosy. He says, you know, there are those people, they, 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 they may just have a cut, they may just have a sore. Uh, he said, but here are some instructions on how you can know who really has leprosy. He says, uh, when, when the sore appears to be deeper than the skin. It's under the skin of his body. It is a leprous sore. Much like leprosy, sin is a disease that begins underneath the surface. I said sin is a disease that you can't see on your neighbor until it begins to manifest because it, 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 it thrives under the surface. Matthew 15, 19 says, for out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, theft, false witness, and blasphemy. See, leprosy started under the surface and you didn't know somebody had it until the sores began to manifest. Sin is the same way. It begins to eat on the inside of you. It begins to devour you on the inside until you begin to manifest that thing. Leprosy begins when you make contact with somebody that is infected. You, It's all about proximity. It, it, it gets in your nervous system. One of the leprosy's main goal is to disconnect the nervous system from the body. It tells the body to no longer feel. It tells the body you no longer have limbs to move. It makes the body lose all sensitivity. It moves all throughout the limbs. It is also common at times 
the leprosy can, can actually get onto the eyelid. And what makes a person blind from leprosy is that it paralyzes the eyelid and they cannot blink. And because they cannot blink, they begin to lose their sight. They go blind. This is exactly what sin does today. I said, this is exactly what sin does today. It moves into the body with proximity. When you start hanging around sinful people, you will start becoming their sin. Whenever you get around things you should not be watching, you will start to become that thing. Whenever you are listening to things you should not be listening to, it just the proximity of it can get something sin inside of you. Places that you shouldn't go, things you should not watch. And you need to get this because, because it gets into your body just like a leprosy. It causes you to lose sensitivity to the presence of God. They were on fire, but through time, through exposure, through proximity of sin. Have you ever seen that person? We call it backslide. As they begin to move away from the flame of God, as they begin to get back into a life of sin. But when you start seeing the symptoms of sin, when you start seeing the visible sores, when you start to see jealousy and anger and murder and adultery, when you start to see these manifestations in someone's life, it is indication that sin has been brewing on them for some time. Because nobody wakes up in a good relationship with the Lord one morning and says, you know what, today I'm going to commit adultery. It was something that they've meditated on. They began to watch something that they should not watch. They were listening to things that they should not listen to. And before you know it, they make a decision. And that thing begins to manifest inside of them. Romans 5, 12 says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all have sinned. So if seven is God's intention... And two is the leprosy. Leprosy is sin. Three I want to talk about is leper. We can't talk about leprosy without the person who had it. I want to talk about the leper this morning. Who is the leper? Guess what? We are the leper in this story. Isaiah 64, 6 says, For we have all become like one who is ceremonially unclean, like a leper. And all our deeds of, of, of righteousness are like filthy rags. We all wither and decay like a leaf. Listen, on our best day, when you are at the top of your game, if you don't have the blood, you are still like an infected leper. You can be the top real estate agent in the, in the, in the state, but, if, but if, if you are operating without the blood, you are still like an infected leper. You can be the top of your game, but if you've not been under the blood of the lamb, you are still like an infected leper. I don't care how long you've been attending church. I don't care about how many degrees you may possess. I don't care about how gifted or talented you may or may not be. Because on your best day, without the blood of the lamb, you are like a leper. For we have all sinned and we've all fallen short. And you need to get this because we often treat our sins with behavior management. We are at a place where we don't treat sin with the blood. But we treat our sin with behavior management. I'm going to work on it. Ain't no sense in working on it until you take it to the blood. 
There's no behavior management that can change the fact that you were born into sin. Because your behavior doesn't carry enough power to get rid of your iniquity. You can go to classes about your bad temper. Anybody know anybody needs to go to a class? But until you get that temper under the blood, you're just managing it. Because there's no behavior management that has the power to get rid of your cycle. Because who knows? We are often taught how to act the part the right way. But at some point, we've got to have the heart the right way. And sometimes in churches, we will teach more on how to act than how to change your heart. Because when the pastor starts preaching like I'm about to preach, some people start to squirm. Some people start to put their toes under the pew because they don't want their toes to be stepped on. Because who knows, we are often taught how to act the part the right way. But at some point, we've got to have the heart the right way. And the problem is we have a lot of people. I'm talking to the church this morning. If, you are, if you're not saved, I'm not talking to you right now. But I'm talking to the church this morning because we have a lot of people inside of the, the church. They have the part, but they don't have the heart. Because let me tell you something. Whenever you are going through the hottest pit of hell, guess what? The part will begin to wear off. Whenever you are going through the darkest season in your life, the part will not get you through. But let me tell you something. If you've got the heart and your heart has been washed in the blood of the lamb, you can survive any attack of the enemy. If you've got the heart, you can live this thing out. We not only need to teach how to behave like a Christian, but we've got to teach how to have the heart and think like a Christian. You got to get this because in these times, the lepers will literally wrap themselves in these filthy rags. They would wrap themselves up. They would wrap their sores up. With leprosy, you couldn't just have the disease. I can have diabetes and you not know it. I can hide it. But after a while, leprosy, it was a disease that you just couldn't have the disease, but you would have to cover up who you really were. You would literally have to walk around announcing, not yourself, but you would literally have to walk around uh, and announce your disease anytime that you were in the proximity of people. You would have to shout unclean as you would enter a room. Leprosy would rob you of your identity. Leprosy, sin, is a robber of your identity to the point where people stopped calling you by your name and started calling you by your disease. The lepers got to the place where they could no longer identify by who they were. But now they had to identify by what had gotten on the inside of them. And we are watching a nation, United States of America, they are in an identity crisis. Why? Because it is a land that has turned their back on the word of God and they have forgotten the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. 
And anytime you get in sin, it will begin to make you have an identity crisis. Why do we have a generation? They don't know who they are. They don't know what they are. This morning, am I going to be a boy, a girl, a cat, or a dog? Why? It's not a choice. It is a sin. And a nation has forgotten the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen this morning? We are in the middle of an identity crisis, but what can solve your identity crisis is the blood of the Lamb. And just like leprosy, sin makes you change your identity. And before you know it, you are walking around who everyone else says that you are instead of walking around and being who God called you to be. You will be walking around. You are who sin says you should be. You are insecure because your sin told you you should be insecure. You are worried and full of fear because sin told you you should be. Can you imagine walking into this room this morning with a huge sticky note on your shirt listing all of your struggles. Some of you need to. Can you imagine if your neighbor knew what you've been wrestling in your mind this week? Can you imagine if your neighbor knew what you were doing in your alone time this week? Can you imagine walking into a room and instead of introducing yourself, you told everybody your sins. And while you may not be announcing your issues this morning, you better best be believe it that there are demons in hell that are reminding you every single day of what's wrong with you. Can anybody testify this morning that you don't have it all together? Can anybody testify that you don't have it all figured out? This is the time now for the church to stop playing the game like we've got it all together and start sharing with our brothers and sisters that we've all fallen and that we've all fallen short of the glory and that we all must die to our sin every day because sin will separate you from the Lord. This is why we need number four. Number four is burden number one. Without burden number one, I have no hope for my sin. Without burden number one, I will never experience true freedom. Romans 6, 23 says that the wages of sin is death. Sin requires death. Leviticus 14, 5 says, the priest shall command them to kill one of the birds. Reminder, this entire chapter and story is a reflection of what was happening in the Old Testament, but a reflection of what was to come in the New Testament. Why do we have to kill a bird? Hebrews 9.22 said, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. See, until my sin touches blood, I'm still in sin. I don't care if you had a personal one-on-one -on -one with Oprah. I don't care what Dr. Phil said. Until you get that thing in the blood, it's still sin. I don't care if you went to a confessional. Until you get that thing under the blood, you 
are still going to be wrestling with the cycle. You're still going to be a slave to it until what I am going through gets under the blood of Jesus. I'm still going to be wrestling with it. And this morning, you may think this is elementary teaching this morning, and it is. But the church needs to be reminded of the power of the blood. I said the church needs to be reminded of the power of the blood. The church needs to show some thanks for the blood of Jesus Christ. Because whenever you're going through some stuff, you used to hear people say, put it under the blood. Years ago, grandma would say, I plead the blood. Put it under the blood. When you were going through some stuff, you'd hear people say things like, put it under the blood. Or, or, or I plead the blood of Jesus against it. Because until you put it under the shed blood, you're going to keep in that cycle. This may be some basic teaching this morning. But we've got to remind ourselves of the power of the blood. Because what we used to put under the blood... Jesus, help me. I feel like somebody's about to get mad at me. Because what we used to put under the blood, now we've got to take a mental health day for. I'm stirring up somebody's demons this morning. What we used to put under the blood, now we think we got to go on a vacation to get over it. What we used to put under the blood, now we will medicate it until we are so numb that we forget about it. I feel like I'm stirring something up in somebody. I know this is a hot topic in America. And I know some of you may think I'm being insensitive right now. But I feel like I was sent this morning to tell somebody, you're not over it yet because you've been to everybody but the blood. Yes, mental health is an issue, but let me tell you something. A lot of mental health could be restored if you would get your nose out of everybody's business, get your nose out of your phone, get your nose off of Facebook, and get your body under the blood of the Lamb. Renew your mind daily. But now how many of our issues could be solved in America if we would just put it under the blood? Because what was our first option is now become our last option that we think of. The medicine didn't work. Dr. Field didn't work. I gave $100 to this. That didn't work. I saw this thing. Did you take it to the blood? See, you got to understand that whenever you come to the altar or whenever you raise your hand for salvation and whenever you pray the prayer of salvation, you don't just leave this place with a certificate that you're going to heaven and now that gives you permission to go out and act like a hula. I'm liking this today. You may not be free, but I'm about to set myself free. Because you don't get a certificate, and now you can act like you want to act. Because praise God, you said a prayer on Sunday morning. But let me tell you something. But the lie of eternal security. 
I'm about to stir something up over Rome, Georgia. Because I know there's a lot of people that think you're once you're saved, you're always saved. Let me tell you something. That tells you that as long as you've said the prayer and no matter what you do, you're going in the rapture, you're going to make it to heaven. Let me tell you something. That lie is going to keep multitudes out of the heavens. But you've got to make the decision. I'm not just saved one time, but every day of my life, I'm going to submit myself to the blood every day. When I wake up, I'm putting it under the blood. Whenever I get up, I'm putting it under the blood. When I get to my job, I'm going to go ahead and put it under the blood. When I get ready to smack you, I'm going to stop, and I'm just going to put it under the blood. I told you I'm getting free today. You got to put it under the blood. Just because you said a prayer don't mean you can live how you want to live. You got to get this because... In order to show that the leper was clean, the blood had to be spilled. And the beautiful thing about the story is that it wasn't the blood of the leper that had to be shed. The blood was not supplied by the leper, but it was the blood of something else that gave him life. And the leper was dirty and it took the blood of something clean. Get this. There was a show that you may have heard of. I used to watch it because they're all freaks. I think it's on Discovery. Called Naked and Afraid. These people are freaks, y'all. They nominate themselves to be dropped off in a jungle. A man and a woman, complete strangers. Somebody thought it was going to be cool to be dropped into a jungle butt naked. All they have is a leather, is a little leather pouch and it covers nothing. And they get out of the helicopter or the tank or the Hummer and they're in this terrain and they thought it was going to be cool to walk around naked with snakes, ants all over their feet. And here they are. They show the woman, you know, it's all blurred out. She's over here. The guys are there and they walk up and they're like, hey, how are you? I'm naked. How are you? I'm naked and afraid. <laughs> Crazy. But get this. In Eden, they were naked, but they were not afraid. God had created that moment. God had created the culture, the atmosphere, where everything could be stripped away and it's just you and him. He wanted everything that you had. But the moment that they sinned, they got naked and afraid. They started to hide. Why? Because they were afraid. There was sin. And guess what? God comes to their rescue. And so many of the early Hebrew scholars say that early translations say when the word says that God covered them, clothed them, that he clothed them with lambskin. 
So all the way back in Genesis, the very beginning of time, all the way back in the garden, God was teaching his creation from the beginning of time that blood had to be shed in order to cover somebody's skin. All the way from the beginning of time, he's foreshadowing. The animal was slain. He took the skin, the blood was shed, and he put it on them. From the very beginning of time, he was telling creation that blood must be shed to cover you. And get this, years go by, they have children. I am certain that Adam and Eve had a talk with Cain and Abel about the blood covenant because we watched them one day. They're going into a worship service before the Lord. And they get there, and one of the kids did what he was supposed to do. And he brings a sacrifice. He brings the blood. But then there's the other kid. How many of you know there's always the other kid? Whew, that other kid. That other kid. Whoo, whoo, whoo. You want to put that kid under the blood? There's always the other kid. And that other kid just brings some grain. On his way, like, oh, I forgot some. Let me get some grain. The other son just brings a little bit of grain. He was like, I hope I can get by with just bringing a little bit. I hope I can get by without a sacrifice. Oh, I'm about to get free this morning. I hope I can get by with just some halfway worship. I hope I can get by with just some halfway praise. Lord, I hope I can get by today with just some halfway tithes and offering. I hope I can get by with living for Jesus on Sunday and living like hell on Monday and Tuesday. I hope I can get by by just coming to church once every month. I hope I can, I hope I can get by with just serving once every eight weeks. Oh, God help me. I hope I can get by. Isn't this what American Christianity has gotten to? A kind of faith where I just want to get by so I can make it to heaven. A kind of faith. I want to go to church, but I want, but I, I want to go to a church and I, and I want to get what he has, but I don't want to be there a long time. I want, I want as little as possible. How can I get in and out of the church in an hour and then the pastor not step on my toes and I feel no conviction and I leave just like I came and I can stamp my books that I went this week. How can I get in and out as quick as possible? The question is, when did God become a center of convenience and not the source of our pursuit? God is not about convenience. If you're looking for a church that halfway gets after Jesus, you're at the wrong church, honey. I said, if you're looking for a church that's going to give half, you're at the wrong place, babe. If you're looking for a place that helps you get in and out with just a little side, little something on the side, you are at the wrong church, hon, because I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a part of halfway worship. I don't want halfway praise. I don't want halfway kids ministry. I don't want halfway youth ministry. No, 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 no. I want to be at a place that's going all the way in. Why? Because the river is rising the tolerance of lukewarm Christians must stop I'm calling out every lukewarm Christian in this church this morning there's too many that have taken for granted the sacrifices that got us here
We've been here four years. Everything's good. We got two services. 226 people have been saved this year. Praise God. They don't need me. I can just sit here and do nothing. And before you know it, you are sitting there. And before you know it, you have become lukewarm. And the church is lukewarm because we have settled in. The church is lukewarm because they have taken for granted the power of the blood. But let me tell you something this morning. If you would just take a moment and read about the blood. If you would just take a moment and let this word get in your spirit. If you would just take a moment and think about all the times that you put that thing under the blood and it was done, it was finished it would set your soul on fire again Ben help me out number five, I'm not going to get to all seven today somebody say thank God who said that gotcha number five is bird number two We had bird one, now we've got bird number two. Bird number two is all about freedom and authority. Because in Exodus chapter two, after the blood covenant, after the Passover, after the blood had been applied to the doorpost, God says to them, this month shall be for you the beginning. See, a lot of us don't want to get under the blood because we think it's the end. I'm not going to be able to party anymore. I'm not going to be able to drink anymore. I'll preach on that later. I'm not going to be able to smoke that anymore. I'm not going to be able to sleep with whoever I want to. You know you're in this room. But the blood is not the end. The blood is the beginning. See, we often see when we get on the blood as the end, but no, It's really the beginning of a thing. Because who knows, the blood of Jesus not only covers your past, but it empowers your future. Bird number one dealt with my past. But bird number two dealt with your future. Because regardless of your past, aren't you thankful there's still another bird? Because regardless of all the decisions that you've made, aren't you thankful that there's still another bird for you? No matter what they said about you, aren't you thankful that there's still a bird number two that's waiting? The first bird dealt with where I've been. but This bird is dealing with where we're going. So whenever I plead the blood, I'm not just pleading it over what I've done. I am pleading it on where I am going. Come on. Whenever I'm covering, whenever I'm covering the steps that I took in blood, I'm not only covering the steps that I took, but I am covering the steps that I haven't even taken yet. When you plead the blood over your children, you're saying, God, cover what they've already done, but God, cover where they are going. When you plead the blood over your marriage, you're not just pleading it on what has happened in your marriage. You're saying, God, I plead the blood over every door that's about to open for me and my spouse you got to get this because the first bird dealt with the sin the second bird the, the second bird was going to deal with the atmosphere why because God never intended on you getting saved and you just sitting on your behind look at your neighbor say he's talking to you God did not save you 
so you would sit on your behind. He said, look, look what he did. He said, I want you to take that bird number two and dip it into the blood. He said, get that bird fully covered in the blood. Dip that bird into the blood. He said, and once you get it covered in the blood, don't just put it in a cage. Don't, don't just, don't. Don't, don't just let it sit there. Don't, don't turn it into a statue. He said, but once you've dipped that bird number two into the blood, don't let that bird just sit there. He said, but release that bird covered in blood into the open field. Mm. Are you getting this imagery this morning? He said, I want you to let that bird fly throughout the atmosphere. And can you see it? Because everywhere that bird flew, you could see the blood dropping. You knew exactly where that bird had been because there was blood. Everywhere that bird went, as it was flying through the air, somebody say air. As it was flying through the air, it was marking its territory. Everywhere that bird went, it was taking over atmospheres. And I want to remind you this morning that the Bible calls Satan the prince of the power of the air. So the second bird that was loose was not just to give you authority over what you had done, but was to give you authority over every principality and powers of darkness in high places. And I want to declare to you, Legacy, it's time for the church to start taking back some atmospheres. It's time for the church. It's time for Legacy to get up and start marking our territory. It's time for you to fly around the grocery store sprinkling the blood. It's time for you to fly over your high school, fly over your middle school, fly over your church, fly over your city. Come on, who can hear me this morning? Legacy did not get saved just to sit. I said legacy did not get saved just to sit, but he saved us to fly. He saved us to take over some territory. We got dipped in the blood to change the atmosphere. We got dipped in the blood to mark some territory. And I want to declare, legacy will not sit, but legacy is about to soar. Legacy's about to fly. We're about to mount up with the wings like eagles. We're going to fly over our children. We're going to fly over our city. We're going to fly over our families. Oh, it's the 